Leading a fashion business in today's ever-changing economic background takes a multitude of skills along with guts, instinct and energy. In the Industry.Fashion's In Conversation podcast, we talk to the people who are in possession of all of those qualities and more, including those who have set up their own businesses or those who have risen to the top of fashion businesses, large and small. We delve into the background of these leaders' careers, find out what drove them to success, what continues to motivate them and what their ambitions are for the future. We also get their take on how they see the industry developing, along with their advice for those wishing to follow in their footsteps. John Snare and Rachel Kelly are the co-founders of Thought, one of the UK's earliest sustainable and ethical fashion brands. Thought's focus is on creating a circular economy, and over the years they have invested extensively in expanding the range of materials they work with. The business boasts an impressive range of textiles compared to similar retailers, such as hemp, bamboo and sea cell, a material made from harvested seaweed. John and Rachel talked to news editor Tom Shearsmith about how the business has progressed since they first created clothing in 1995, why the business has constantly needed to evolve and educate, the recent onboarding of retailers and where the business is heading in the future. So, Rachel and John from Thought Clothing, how are you both today? Yeah, really well. Thank you, Tom. How are you? I'm doing great. Um, Before we actually talk about the business or about yourself, if you could just tell me what your current roles are at Thought, that would be incredible. So, um, well, I guess we're uh, founders and directors. Um, We split our functions between us. Um, I oversee a bit, I guess, from the beginning of um, do a bit of the sales side, wholesale in particular is probably my background. And um, I look over the finances functions. I also get involved in the washing up in the kitchen. I, um, <laughs> I restock the toilet paper in the loos. I've uh, been to get a vacuum out. I've, yeah, many, many varied roles, but um yeah, which is the life of a small business owner, I guess. Yeah. yeah, I think that's true. Actually, that's probably the most important thing to say is that we will put our hands to anything that needs to be done. Um, and that's what that's one of the the um, joys, I guess, of a small business. And I um, run, I look after the product side of things. So that's very much my background in um, looking after the range, working with our lovely product team. And also the marketing side of things to, you know, project the lifestyle and brand aspirations that we have. Yeah. And I should stress for context, um, John, why is it that you mentioned about the the washing up for people who don't know about the two of you? You do live <laughs> together. You do have a child together, right? We have three children together. Yes. Yeah. We're husband and wife and founders of Thought Clothing. So our lives are intrinsically linked <laughs> to each other. And um, we mentioned the washing up because it's always a bugbear at the office. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess it's just something we've always done. We 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 do, as Rachel said, we do anything to, to get us through the days, the weeks, the months and the years. And, and it's, it's just it's a part of us. And um, most small business owners will, will know that you, you get your hands dirty when, when appropriate. And yeah, and that's that's quite often. Yeah, no, my boss would say the same, so I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, <laughs> so take me back for for both of you, and it's up to you who order answers in which order. 
but before thought clothing before you'd actually worked out where your careers were going where had you both been prior what had you both done what what areas of business had you you worked in yeah well I mean we've been here for uh, we're Antipodeans so we're both from Australia but we have been here for 20 years um so sort of this is the, the biggest chunk of our careers um before that I'm I had always wanted to work in the fashion industry I was um I loved product I love retail I knew that was what I wanted to get into I've always felt lucky that I had such clarity about what I wanted to do so my background was in sort of left school did a marketing diploma then looked to get into buying but didn't really know how to do it so started in a manufacturing brand and then worked for um a sort of small retailer and was an assistant buyer there which I loved and then I went traveling and came over here so sort of from the age of 21 I've been working and and running with John the thought business. What about you John? Yeah, mine, I had no desire to be in the fashion industry. I didn't really <laughs> understand the fashion industry. I'm from country, uh, New South Wales in Australia, and fashion wasn't the forte in, in my town. Um, I, I wanted to be an audio engineer, and that course didn't start for six months after I'd finished school. So um, I just needed a job to get me, uh, get me through that, that time. So I got a, um, a job in a retail clothing chain, and I was the, the the guy who was unloading the trucks, you know, taking the boxes upstairs, unpacking them, hanging them, pricing them, taking them out to the clever people on the shop floor to merchandise them and make them look pretty and sell the product. Um, I eventually migrated onto the shop floor, which was a bit scary at the time. But um, the the owners of that store were really lovely, generous people, and. I guess they saw how green I was, took me under their wing and gave me um, some some insights into how the business works. And, and I think I responded to that. Um, they they had, uh, so I, I did a few years in retail and then uh, one of the partners in that business uh, started a wholesale uh, arm and he asked if I would wanted to do that which I did so I understand uh, I got to understand manufacturing and, and wholesale uh, and and that was for another four or five years so that was a really great apprenticeship because I was up close and personal with um, David uh, in in Australia in Sydney and, and and we did everything there it was a you know, very uh, small team but that allowed me to you know get involved in everything from product to the manufacturing to selling to delivering the, you know, the, the works but you know, it gave me a really a great foundation in in how how this industry works and um and you know I was re- really lucky for that and, and that set me up to be able to come and start something uh, on our own yeah and obviously I, w- I will I will come to how the business has changed and developed over the last like 20 years but if you were to describe it presently to, to someone who doesn't know anything about thought clothing, um, how would you describe it? And perhaps you have both different ways of describing it because one of you does the, you know, the wholesale yeah, side and one yeah. more design. Um, I guess, you know, first and foremost, we're a, we're a London-based fashion brand. Um, we produce really um, fabulously feminine styles Um And we think through how they've been made from the beginning of the journey right to the end. So 
We are a heritage responsible business since, um, you know, really since our inception. And what responsible means for us is sort of sustainable, natural fibres, that we're producing them in the most responsible way possible. And really, our product is joyful. It's made to be loved and worn and lived in. So that's kind of a, a little synopsis, I guess, of how I would describe thoughts. Yeah, no, that was perfect. Do you think any differently, John? Yeah, I think no, I think that's about. I mean, it's I, where we sit. I think is some something that you know we have a um, a sustainable fashion option that um, is in some way. Uh, changing the conversation or developing the conversation around you know the fashion industry and, and all its ills, of which there are many, and you know, there's a we just stand as an example of, of one of those who are thinking differently about how how we do it because you know, we're obviously not going to stop wearing clothes. It's, it's just how we all need to consider what we do from uh, the, the production process to wearing it to the caring uh, of it. Mm. And, and to Rachel's point, you know, one of our mantras is wear me love me mend me pass me on and that sort of so we talk about you know, that, how it's produced how we look after it how we wear it love it appreciate it pass it on or repair it keep it um and and then how um you know what what it's in life is so yeah it's to to sort of draw that circle so we're, we're not always it's not necessarily about fast fashion it was well, not about fast fashion at all it's just about appreciating the fashion but the joyful bit of it is is really enjoying the styles and and the and the products. Yeah, and that responsible dressing uh, dressing should never be a compromise. Yeah, um, because the customers are going to be the real agents of change in our industry. And so when we describe thought, we like to say that you know really we we exist to help people find the joy in dressing responsible because it shouldn't be a compromise. Yeah, and the idea of responsibility and sustainability weren't really a, a massive player like 20 years ago in the fashion industry how has that changed from your early days in the business to to where you are now yeah it's funny actually because we talk about this sometimes when we reminisce about the early days I mean it's I mean it's massively changed hasn't it and and quite you know in really recent times so when we first started out um, I mean, John, you could talk about it. You know, we started with some very simple natural fibres, which is sort of our heritage fabric. So we produced a lot of hemp fabric, which was quite rare when you were starting out. Yeah, yeah like hemp was, um, we, we, we trade, we, it was all about natural fibres. Hemp, we, we went into a fabric wholesaler, we found some hemp and started to learn about that and, and looked at you know, what the qualities of it were. And, you know, that it doesn't use much water, that it grows relatively organically, doesn't use pesticides, fertilizers, all that sort of thing. And that was a really interesting angle, as well as the the attachment to the cannabis thing. So, you know, we had the dope leaf on the labels and all that sort of stuff to try and break ground and and, and create interest about the product. But no one was really talking about sustainability. Um, I, I, but it, it became one of our um, pillars really early, or right, right at the beginning of the business, because we thought that's, um, our reason to exist. That's, that's exactly our reason to exist. And really, because I'm not really a fashionista, you know, I thought that's how I could reconcile me being in the fashion business because I, I can't speak to the fashion yeah. uh, so much. But but being um, being in this world, the sustainability thing really resonated with me and, and, and my you know, 
a family background, and, and it just felt you know that was that was the what was required, what was, uh, something would sit, sit well. It's funny because then you know that was really the pillar of why we existed, and and you know the filter of that was was pretty rigid in that we wouldn't work with any other fabrications. Which you know twenty you know fifteen twenty years ago that was really limiting into what we could produce. Mm-hmm. But not only was it limiting in what we were able to produce, um, but, you know, we just we had to talk customers around to even coming to have a look at the products that we were making. They thought that we were hippies. They thought the fabric was going to be scratchy and itchy. They thought we wouldn't be able to deliver, that we wouldn't be around in a couple of years. So the challenge really was to get over that misconception of what natural, sustainable product meant to people and what it meant in those days was all those negative connotations and so it was a real battle for us to get over that sort of get over that hill of misconception on on what we were doing yeah um and that's really when I guess we shifted to to transitioning from really uh, trading on our background of fabrics to really pivoting to trade on our, our sort of involvement in the fashion industry so you know, we we really sort of got hip to the fact that we have to be trading on desirability first and foremost. And then it was up to us to make sure that that pillar of sustainable and responsible fabrics and sourcing and the way we wanted to operate as a business was always happening in those days in the background. And then I guess the challenge over the last five or six years has been reshifting that conversation to make sure that our heritage is at the forefront of our message because we were so used to having to put it at the back of the message to try and get people to be interested in it. We'll continue our In Conversation podcast after this short ad break. Smash all your sales goals with Style Arcade, the world's number one fashion software. Goodbye spreadsheets. Seamlessly connect all your systems into one source of truth. So you'll know what's the go with your sales, stock, future orders, and web analytics. With imagery all in one place. Now everyone can collaborate in a beautifully visual app. It's quick and easy to make smart decisions on which products are frequently purchased together, balancing your range instantly. With live tracking of your spend and margins and reordering by size, because sizing for maximum profit and minimum waste is what we do best. Whether your sales are hitting a million or a billion, join 300 teams globally and see for yourself why brands grow 74% faster when they visualize, collaborate, and automate in our app. Go from being a growing brand to a global brand today with Style Arcade. Returns are expected to cost British fashion retailers some £7 billion this year. On top of this, the waste generated by returns means the cost to the planet, as well as the retailers' bottom lines, is getting unsustainable. In our latest report that we've created with Blackman, the leading logistics partner for omni-channel commerce, we look at how you can transform returns from a profit drain to a profit driver. Download your free copy today at theindustry.fashion. One of the key things I want to talk about is not just the, the re-pivoting, if you like, but the rebrand. It, it, it's one thing to do sort of a realignment, a refresh, but you did rebrand. You took a different name. You've taken a different approach, but the core of the business is still obviously there. Um, talk me through the, you know, the process and what it was actually like for, for both of you. Uh, yeah, so the rebrand, I guess at the time, we thought it was a bit brave and other people thought it was brave, but it was almost 
obvious as well. It was required. We we needed to do that because the 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 brand, the products, everything had changed, and uh, we to go out and present a contemporary fashion option that happened to be made from sustainable textiles. We needed um, a name and a and a brand image that reflected that. So um, yeah, we 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 probably recognised that ten years ago. And we bottled it because we we, we couldn't come up with a, uh, a good alternative, and we thought oh, it's fine. You know, it's it's not uh, what it's called. It's what it's what you do with it, and that's where we uh, focused. But then it just was always in, in the back of our mind that it, you know we, we needed to change, and so we did. We came up, we all had the, the brainstorm. We rebranded to Thought, and we had to do that very bravely. We you know while. Uh, rebadging the product from one season to the next because for the wholesale business you you have to forward sell. So we'd done all that, rebadged, and then went and told the customers next season you're going to be delivered thought. And um, that, that was brave, and but we we managed that conversation uh, really well, and we had so such little pushback. You know, it was it was really warmly welcomed, and and it was obvious the way. Uh, the way we articulate that um, message to all our customers, it, it was really well received, which was <laughs> to, to great relief <laughs> right, right around the business, not least to us, uh, because it, it seemingly was brave, but now I think it was absolutely the right decision. And on the back of that, we we picked up people who said, actually, we we, we would like to consider you now because we wouldn't have under your, in your yeah. previous incarnation. And that was important because I think you really led that rebranding because I was nervous. Um, and I think because not only were we rebranding our brand, but we were, we were trying to reposition what sustainable and responsible fashion looked and felt like. And to John's point, you know, that's we were still even then, and that was 2017, battling against the negative um pre I guess negative ideas of what responsible clothing looked like and so we knew that we needed to reposition our brand so that we looked fresh and modern and contemporary in the marketplace which allowed then different accounts and different partners to find us who thought okay now I can understand having this in my store or as part of my sort of selling showroom so yeah it was a really important step to take. Mm -hmm. And Tell me about who your customer is now. Um, did you see that they changed when the, the, the sort of rebrand happened or did they sort of, you know, stay the same and who are they? So I think it's interesting in that we have always had a really dedicated customer who has wanted to be able to dress in a responsible way and that has been very much from the beginning of our journey um, and and that customer would still be with us today and and we have a very close partnership I would say with that with that customer but you know really our customer is um, you know it's just they're curious they're probably a seeker they're looking to to be curious about how they live in the world and the world around them so we very much talk about a mindset at thought rather than a particular age and demographic I mean of course we've got the metrics of what that really is um, but we do like to say that you know they're curious confident mindful um, they're wanting to be really responsible about how they how they live in the world and they're open and curious to discover new ways about that but also the underlying aspect of that has to be 
you know, joyful and there's no compromise in the product. So it's very much up to us to be delivering product that fits, that's of great quality at the right price because, you know, first and foremost, we are a fashion business and we have to be able to compete on that footing and just make sure that our responsible heritage is what shines through. Mm -hmm. In terms of the product selection that you have, how do you, you sort of choose the products that you you offer? Is there a particular type of style, for example, that you tend to, to lean towards? Firstly, we design everything in-house. So we're a very creative and collaborative product team in our London office. So whether that is us um, painting to create a print, whether that's us peeling and cutting into potatoes to create a print, we're doing everything at that really hand creative level to make sure that the product's really, really unique. Um, and then the important thing is that we as a team always discuss that it needs to go through the thought filter. So for a product to exist in our collection, it has to go through that filter, which is which is all about responsibility. So that's the fabrics we choose to work from, the manufacturing partners that we choose to work with, um, how we decide to conduct ourselves as a business with all of those partnerships and also with our team here in the UK. We're a London living wage employer. Um, you know, we're looking to get our B Corp certification. So all of these things are part of the thought filter and that's how product needs to filter through to us. And then, of course, we layer on that with what our customer expects and needs from her wardrobe. And so we, we like to ground that in sort of really great high credible um essentials and then that sort of feminine you know fabulously feminine product that sits around outside of that one of the greatest parts of uh, our business that, that that i enjoy is the creative side that the creatives not necessarily me but the creatives who who pull the range together and they come up with a theme and then they go and pull all the mood boards and the inspiration and there is so much done and considered that that goes into how um, what what the print story is like and the, and the colours that go back with that print story and, and the shapes and why so in in the lunar collection it is called the lunar collection we probably don't talk about that enough but every season we do that so I always get excited on launch day <laughs> when we're showing our collection to all our partners and uh, at, at, at the beginning of uh, a season that you see all of this wonderful creativity. That, that draws a story and a thread right throughout the whole collection and, and through the different drops. And, and it's, that's what's really inspiring for me. We'll continue our In Conversation podcast after this short ad break. I'm Tom Shearsmith, news editor at the industry.fashion. And I'm here to remind you that every day we dedicate ourselves to producing daily news features and insights to keep our readers up to date and ahead of the curve of events changing the UK fashion market such as breaking stories, interviews, and analysis. Remember to check in every day to stay up to date. All of our content is free to view, and why not sign up for our free daily update newsletter? I'm sure you were already confident in your business over the last 20 years, but as all of these these companies have sort of taken you on and decided to stock you, um, surely it must make you feel like you've always been right and on the ball to, to do this business because... Hmm sustainability is like one of the biggest things in fashion now and you've been way ahead of the curve like it, it must just give you some kind of feeling that you were always right in the long term 
Yeah, it's funny. I took a photo uh, at a festival some years ago. It says that the effing hippies were all right. Um, and, and I've got that on my wall, which, which, I, um, which I love and always gives me a giggle. Um, look, you know, right or wrong, I think you know, conversations happen in, in the world and, and people come to it when they do, you know, in, in, on various themes. Uh, we're really happy that there's lots of movement within the fashion business that is driving uh, responsible fashion forward and that, and that whole message, and, and that to different degrees. And there are people at the beginning of the journey, and we welcome that and we support that, and, and we, just, yeah, we only want for more of that. Uh, there are people who've been on the journey for a long time, like, like us, who are bigger or smaller, and 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 talking about, and changing that conversation. And I think we, one of our, what we really would like that people know about us is that we we stand as the example of that it's possible to do fashion differently. It's we we are, like we think about the product. There's the esoteric. There's the um, it's a sustainable, but it also has to be commercial as well. And that's what you know, businesses ultimately are looking at and, and of all sizes. And as they're pivoting, they have, to, they, have, they have to see that they can do things differently and still have a commercial entity. And that's, you know, we, I think, really stand as the example that it is possible. You, sure, it does cost a bit more and it, you have to think about it a bit more and you have to be very much more considered about uh, the processes, the fabrics, the, the, the factories, your partners, all of that, and but it, it's it's really important. And because I, I, it's probably easier for us because we've been on that journey for a long time. But it, it's it's still, um, yeah, it's it, it's, yeah, it's one thing. It's always thrilling to sort of have those milestones, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, like, yeah, we're proud of that, but we don't we're not preachy about it. You know, mm. we don't think, oh, look at us. You know, we're doing. You know, that's not our our angle. It, it's really about here. This is what we're doing. To even our, our customers as well, you know, this is what we do because there are sustainability and responsibility and all of that. There's there's lots of different um, sectors within that. You know, people there's hard line, there's there's soft line, and you know, we want to state our case for what we do and how we do it, and and brands and businesses will do it all differently. So it's just to so this is how we do it, and, and hopefully engage. With those who resonate with what we are doing, but I think I think it is important that national retailers are picking up. You know, we would be one of the the leading heritage responsible fashion brand in the UK. So I think it, it is important that national retailers are picking up brands like us. We are an independent, um, responsibly led business. So you know, those milestones are thrilling when you run a small business like we do. Um, and what has been really uh, rewarding I guess for us is that whether we're right or wrong time and again when we are given a national stage there is a customer there that wants to engage with us mm-hmm. and so again and again that just proves that if given the platform so once that door is open and those gatekeepers will engage with responsible fashion we're showing that again and again there is a customer there that wants to interact with us and sort of we've been able to outperform on those expectations. And that's what we like to see. Yeah. That's exciting. Since you've been in this sector, if you like, for quite a long time, you must have seen so many different innovations, new materials, you know, such as when hemp caught your attention, that mm. that really engaged with you or you thought maybe that's the future of where we're going. Um, have you seen any innovations in, if we're to look at the last five to 10 years, 
that's really caught your attention and you've, you, you know, you wanted to, to potentially just look at it in the future? Yeah, of course. It's been really interesting. I mean, yeah, definitely. There's innovation in fabrications um, and also innovation, I would say, in accreditations that has been coming through mm-hmm. as sort of the leading aspect in the industry for the last few years. But, you know, whether that's us looking at fabrics that, you know, it's a leather alternative that's made from pineapple or we work with a really gorgeous fabric called CSL, which is made from um, seaweed. There is without a doubt innovation in the fab- in those fabrications. But really, I think the leading innovation that we have seen is that is that real true change across the board in our industry, which is, you know, big retailers looking to figure out their supply chains, looking to figure out their fabrications. And that's the thing that's having the most meaningful impact because when you're looking at these kind of innovative fabrics, it's very difficult to start working with them because there's no um, sort of, there's no mass, there's no scale to them. And so it's really difficult to be able to work with them to get them into your collection, to get them to the consumer. So we all do need the industry to move within that innovation so that everybody can touch and benefit from it yeah yeah and other than a potential b corp certification that you're looking at if you're to look into the future and if we give a time frame of around you know 24 months where do you see yourself going or doing in 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 that period i guess we talk about that a lot obviously and as a um you know a growing business there's lots of opportunities coming across our, our desks at any given time. And, and you know, we have to really work closely with our team to make sure that we're headed in the right direction. But I guess it breaks down to you know, re- we're really looking forward to being able to finesse our ability to be a multi-channel retailer. And that is a steep learning curve for a business that's developing and growing at the size that we are. Um and really looking to understand our formulas across each of those channels that we can then, you know, times up to towards realising our ambitions. So that's something that we're really looking at at the moment, really understanding our customer, really understanding our formulas of success across each channel um, and really developing and driving forward that multi-channel retailer and working with some great partners, which I think has been one of the exciting aspects of, over the last couple of months, even through the pandemic, we were attracting a different level of partner because we are one of the only brands that has a heritage and responsibility, but also offers a top-to-toe wardrobe solution. Um, and so it is very rare. And so we have been able to attract some really interesting partners to come with us on that journey. So, yeah, I'd say that's kind of, yeah, is that fair? Yeah, and, and that is that is true. The, the shift really in recent years where people have uh, mindsets have changed and we're attracting more interest from people who once upon a time probably wouldn't have considered a brand like Thought. So that's really encouraging. So there, there are lots of opportunities, as Rachel says. There's also, you know, we, we have to continue to make a, a noise a, around the challenges within the fashion industry as so many other people come into this space because uh, bigger businesses, they, they have bigger budgets and uh, and can make a bigger noise. Um, and, you know, we're very mindful that, we're, we, uh, that, that our heritage will 
support our story and, and that we don't get uh, you know, left left to one side. But it's um, the opportunities are, are certainly there, and our our example hopefully will um, you know, spur others on the fashion business to do do more as well. Yeah, I hope so. Um, I just want to say thank you, really, for giving me you know a half an hour of your time to talk to me about everything that you do and. You, you know what you've done in the past has has been so inspirational because you despite the fact that you probably won't give yourself as much praise as you should you really have been a an innovative leader in allowing uh, you know the the consumer to to dress responsibly we feel like the future is bright so thank you for having us today and letting us talk through thought If this fashion leader's story inspired you, why not head over to our website at theindustry.fashion or find us on your favourite podcast platform where you can hear from many more leading industry figures. Don't forget to subscribe so you can be sure that you never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, please do leave us a review or rating. If you would like to suggest names that you would like to hear on the podcast, feel free to drop us a line at press at theindustry.fashion and remember to visit www.theindustry.fashion for your daily fashion fix and to sign up for our free daily update newsletter.